Hello geniuses, welcome back to the Own Your Genius podcast, where we discuss building businesses, growing brands, and owning your genius. I'm your host, brand attorney LaConya Murray. We have a good one for you today, but before we get started, let me ask you, have you joined the Genius Lounge? It's a place where all of us geniuses hang out to discuss intellectual property, business, and mindset. If you're looking for a community of motivated, high achievers doing what they need to do to succeed in business and life, you need to head over to the Genius Lounge. You can join us at joinlikani.com. Now, I promise you that today's episode was a good one, so let's get started. Hey, geniuses, what's up? We talk a lot on the On Your Genius podcast about protecting your brand through federal registration. Today, I want to take some time to talk about ways to defend your intellectual property. Because trademarks, copyrights, or even patent registration, that is the second step in protecting your brand, your content, or your ideas. The first step is to what? Identify your intellectual property properly. You want to make sure that your trademarks, copyrights, and patents are identified properly and you're not thinking that a trademark is a copyright and vice versa. But at, off the mark, we always tell our clients that registering your trademark or your copyright is only the beginning. After you register your intellectual property, you're going to have to be diligent about enforcing your rights. Because if you allow other people to use your intellectual property without your permission, that is the fastest way to lose your rights. As it relates to trademarks, this also means that making sure that the market is using your mark as a noun and not an adjective, meaning that they're using it as a person, place, or a thing, rather than a term to describe a person, place, or a thing. So if you're talking about Coke, you're talking about the actual Coca-Cola product and not referring to all sodas as Coke. So that's what another part of enforcing your rights means as relates to trademarks. I love, there was a video that came out a few years ago, the lawyers from Velcro, they were so adamant about making sure that their company kept their trademark. They created this song to teach consumers the proper way to use their trademark. I'm going to post that video in the Genius Lounge, so make sure you go over there and check it out. It's hilarious and entertaining all at the same time. All right. So if we're going to talk about defending your rights today, here are a few ways. The first thing you have to do is, you know, find out if someone's infringing on your rights. So here are a few ways you can police your IP. Of course, we're always going to say that you can hire an attorney. It's a great way to start. Attorneys have access to different monitoring systems that they can connect with to make sure or find where people are infringing on your intellectual property. However, if you find yourself with more time than you have money, you can use Google to monitor your IP. They have free services such as Google Alerts and Google Images that may help you stay on top of you know, the people who seek to use your trademarks and copyrights without your permission. And both of them are pretty easy to set up. So like for Google Alerts, it allows you to monitor keywords. So all you have to do is go in there and add your word or your words that you want to monitor and that you will receive an email anytime those words show up on the internet. That's pretty cool. With Google Images, what that does is if you upload a picture, it will legit tell you where else that picture is on the internet. And they don't have a monitoring system for that yet, so you can't upload the picture and say, every, alert me every time this picture shows up. But I was just doing a little research and I found that what people normally do is when they originally upload that picture, they put unique metadata in the picture, meaning like description, like you need to describe what the picture is. And they use unique terms and then they turn around and add those unique terms to Google Alerts. So that way, anytime those unique terms pop up, you'll be able to trace it back to the picture. 
hope that wasn't too confusing but those are just some ways that you can use you can always head over to google to learn more about both google alerts and google images just as you know like i said a free way to monitor your ip now whether you're using a monitoring service or you're coming across infringing work just by chance the first thought is typically uh what in the world like why are they using my stuff and then the second thought is this stuff got to go like you can't infringe on my intellectual property this has to go but how how do you get it to go so that's what we're going to talk about today there are several options however what i typically start with is reaching out to the person typically you want to start with the thing that's going to cost you the least amount of money and can have the most impact and i find that just reaching out to the other person is very helpful because a lot of times they're not even aware that they're infringing because they don't have an understanding of intellectual property so they don't know that when they downloaded that picture and uploaded it to their site that it was infringement or when they went to your website and copied your sales page that that was you know protected by copyrights and it was intellectual property that was infringing um so a lot of people don't know that a cease and desist letter is the best way to do this as it identifies your intellectual property and how it's being infringed in addition the cease and desist letter also shows that you're serious about protecting your intellectual property now keep in mind that this letter is not formal so it's formal but it's not formal and it's not formal in the way that it's not issued by the court so it's something that you or your attorney is sending to the third party without getting any other higher ups involved you're trying to resolve it at a lower level right so it's a non-court issue document that puts the person or business on notice that they're doing something illegal and then it also demands that they stop immediately when you're writing a cease and desist letter it typically consists of three things the first thing it does is identify your intellectual property and exclusive right to it this looks like saying something like Hey, I'm the owner of XYZ trademark USPTO registration number 123. Like it'll start off something like that. The second thing the letter consists of is an allegation of infringement. So now that you said that this is your trademark, you know, and I'm just using trademark for example, you can enter in any other type of intellectual property. So it looks like saying something like, so your use of XYZ to identify your brand infringes on our registered trademark and this is how. And then you go on to tell them how it's infringing. And then the final thing that most letters consist of is a demand. Like, okay, it's great that you own that trademark and oh, okay, now you know that I'm infringing on it, but now what, what do you want me to do? So that's where the, the demand comes in. You tell them what do you want them to do and when it needs to be done by. And if they comply, then that's the end of it. Like you have something in writing that they're going to comply and they've taken down the, the infringing infra, um, work or material and that can be the end of it. So that's why cease and desist letters can be pretty great because you can get the matter resolved and it typically doesn't take a long time to get it done, especially if they're not doing it intentionally. But on the trademark front, let's say you find someone that's registered a trademark that's the same or similar to yours because that happens a lot of times people even if they've been in business for years they wait to get their intellectual property protected because i'll be honest with you it wasn't really as well known as it is today now smaller businesses are learning about the importance of intellectual property when back in the day it was only reserved for big businesses which is not the case at all right that everybody especially small business owners need to protect your intellectual property but let's say you're just getting new to the game and you go to register your trademark and somebody's already registered it. Like they're doing the same thing that you're doing. If you find that that is the case, one of the things that you can do is you can initiate what's called cancellation proceedings. 
So with trademark cancellation, it's a legal process that results in the removal of a registered trademark. So it's literally, you're not going to the courts. You're handling this all through the United States Patent and Trademark Office because they have a particular or specific department that handles this. The Trademark Trial and Appeal Board is what it's called, or TAB for short. But that's where you would go to file a petition for cancellation. Now, you just can't go canceling any old trademark, right? You have to have grounds, and those grounds include priority, meaning that you were using that mark before they were. Another ground would be abandonment, meaning that they haven't used that trademark in the last three years, and they have no intent to resume use of that trademark. So you can kind of find that out through like Google and things of that nature. The other one, the other grounds for cancellation will be fraud. They lied on their application. So I always talk about when you're filing your application, it's really important to have things like use dates correct because if not, let's say someone had their use date incorrect, now you can go and file a petition for fraud or maybe they're not using it the way that their application said they were. You can talk about fraud. We just did a newsletter that came out earlier this week that talked about Nike's trademark. They just received a trademark registration for their shoe, for the Air Jordan, and that was on June 1st. And over the weekend, June 13th, someone filed cancellation because they said the mark that they submitted for registration is not the same thing they're using in commerce. So they allege fraud. And so they're moving to cancel that registration. So that is an option if you do find someone that has registered their trademark or register a mark that's the same or similar to yours and it's preventing you from registering yours and you were using it first maybe or maybe they registered it but they're not using it anymore or maybe when they filed they were using fraud. Those are grounds for canceling that registration. When you cancel it's going to remove it from being registered. It's going to go from registered to abandoned which will open the door for you to be able to register your trademark which is why a lot of people go that route. Now keep in mind that these proceedings like I said they're they're handled through USPTO Trademark Trial and Appeal Board and what you have to do is you have to file a petition that's going to establish the grounds for cancellations and you're going to pay a filing fee and once you do that the other party will have an opportunity to respond. It is a legal proceeding. It is confrontational in the fact that you're going to have someone defending their position possibly. So just be prepared for that. In my opinion this proceeding is best handled with an attorney because the federal rules of procedure are going to apply. Hey genius, we're going to get back to the podcast episode in just a moment but first I need to ask you, have you heard of the Genius Insider program? The Genius Insider is our low-cost, high-value legal subscription program for innovative entrepreneurs who are disrupting their industry. Your monthly, quarterly, or annual membership gives you access to free consultations and document review so you can speak with an attorney before you put yourself in a janky legal situation. Your subscription also gives you access to contract templates and discounted legal services. Visit GeniusInsider.co, that's GeniusInsider.co, to learn more and apply. Now let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. Now for copyright matters, you know, maybe you reached out and you tried to do the cease and desist thing, they're not paying you any attention. So for copyright matters, you might want to try a DMCA takedown. That might be the next step if, you know, if they're not going to respond to your cease and desist letter. So DMCA is short for Digital Millennium Copyright Act. It's a 1998 United States copyright law that criminalizes production and dissemination of technology, devices, or services that intend to go around measures that control access to copyrighted work. I always say this, that the internet makes it so freaking easy to infringe on copyrights. 
you know, copy and paste here, right click, save, download here, uh, and then re-add it, you know, upload it to the internet on your own site. And so what this act does is makes it illegal for that to happen. And so under the DMCA, the internet service providers, if they get noticed that someone has infringed on copyright, they have to remove that content at once. So that notice is sent directly to the website host or other internet service provider rather than the infringing party. because. In this scenario that we're talking about, you've already reached out to the infringing party through a cease and desist letter and it didn't work out. So the next thing would be to be on, in copyright matters and copyright matters only. This is not for trademarks or patents. Uh, the next step would be for you to reach out to the internet service provider or the website host and say, hey, this person is infringing on my intellectual property or on my copyright. Now this notice has to be in writing and it has to include a few things. It has to include your signature. It has to include information about the copyrighted work that was infringed, including its original URL. So where was this material hosted at in the beginning? Your material, not the infringing one. So it needs information about your work. And then it needs the URL of the infringing material. So you're going to send them your work. And then you're going to send them where you found the, copy, the copyright infringement at. You're going to send that URL. And then you need to give them your contact information, a statement of good faith that says you have good reason to believe that the copyright was infringed, and a statement saying that the information in the notice is correct and that you're authorized to act for the copyright owner. So maybe you're an attorney or some third party that's helping them. So you need to be able to say that you're authorized to act, meaning that you have to have notice. So I see a lot of times where there are things that are copyrighted you know, people believe that they're being infringed on. They'll go and tell their following, hey, go and report this. And so well, you can report like Instagram pages that are false pages. When it comes to copyrights, you cannot file a DMCA takedown notice on behalf of someone else unless you have their authorization to act. Keep this in mind when you're filing this DMCA takedown notice that the internet service provider or the website host, they're gonna let the infringing party know what's going on. So this is not like some behind the, the back door deal that nobody's gonna know about. Once they've received notice, even though they're taking it down, they're gonna let the person know why they're taking it down. Actually, I just received something from Pinterest, some pen that I repinned. I guess the original owner reported it for copyright infringement. And so Pinterest sent me a notice that it was removed, right? So anytime that happens, the infringing party is going to get notice that the DMCA takedown notice was filed and their content was removed. Now, those people, the person that you alleged infringed, they have a right to file a counterclaim if they feel like they have not infringed or maybe they think that you're the infringer, right? Maybe that's what they're alleging. If you don't file a lawsuit within 14 days, of that counterclaim, the ISP or the internet service provider or website host will put that content back up. So be prepared to go to the next step, which is the final option that I was going to talk about today, which is litigation. Litigation is essentially filing a lawsuit in court. What that means is you can file a complaint that sets out similar to the other, the cancellation that we talked about. It, it sets out what your claim is. Essentially, you're going to allege that you own the intellectual property. You're going to allege that you own the intellectual property. They infringed on it and there's damages and things of that nature. And you're going to file it with the court. Litigation is last because litigation is expensive. Litigation can take years and years and years to resolve. That's why I put it last. But even though it's last, I need you to know that if it 
boils down to it, you need to be ready to litigate. You need to be ready to defend your intellectual property if you plan on, on registering it. Like that's, even though that's the last resort, you need to be mentally prepared to say, if it takes that, then I'm down, I'm ready. Because if not, people will play you. They will literally infringe on your intellectual property and all the goodwill that you created through your trademarks will be in danger. Your ability to earn money or income from your copyrighted material will be in danger. And even with your patents, all that stuff will be in danger if you're not ready to put your money where your mouth is and litigate and file a lawsuit if need be. In today's podcast, we did a lot of talking about you know, ways to defend your intellectual property. I just want to put a, a, a note in to say, what if, what if you're on the other side of this? What if you are the person that's receiving the cease and desist letter or DMCA takedown notice or even a lawsuit? Right. What what are your steps? And we're going to really focus on the cease and desist letter because that's what most people start at anyway. If you're on the receiving side of a cease and desist letter, the first thing I want you to do is not to panic. Do not panic. I want you to slow down, inhale, exhale, and read the letter thoroughly. Because sometimes people, especially if they're filing it themselves, they don't understand intellectual property and what is and what's not. And they're just going to say, oh, well, you're copying my stuff. But is this really something that can be protected? So that's one of the things you have to ask yourself. And if you don't know, you go and hire an attorney and consult with them and let them tell you how to proceed. Because people will prey on small business owners if thinking that they don't have access to an attorney. They will bully them, essentially, and make claims that aren't true just so that they can get other people from, from using something that they don't, really don't have a right to do, if that makes sense. If you're on the receiving side of a cease and desist letter, first thing you want to do is just don't panic, right? The second thing you want to do is read the letter all the way through and you want to highlight, you know, what they're claiming their intellectual property is, how they're saying that you infringe, and what do they want. Highlight those three things. The third thing I would say is hire an attorney to make sure that this letter is legit unless you know that okay well this is what it says it is but having an attorney walk you through it will give you that peace of mind and sometimes those letters will threaten lawsuits but oftentimes they just want it resolved and you can also negotiate again you can negotiate so maybe they're saying we want you to take everything down in seven days but you just order a product that's going to last you another 60 days you know, there's some things that you can negotiate and talk through with that cease and desist letter. The most important thing, though, that you need to realize is if, if you're on that receiving end, don't ignore it. Like, this is not the time to put your head in the sand and pretend like it doesn't exist. You need to acknowledge it, even if it's to say that I've received it, I've talked it over with my attorney, we don't agree, and this is our reason why. Even if it's that far, but don't just ignore it. If you're ready to make not only protecting your brand, but also defending your brand a priority, schedule a consultation with our office, Off The Mark IP Solutions, to see how we can help you. Let's take this conversation over to the Genius Lounge. I want you to share this episode with three friends and have them meet you there. But you know what to do before you go. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and rate the podcast. Until next week. I want you to keep building your business, growing your brand, and owning your genius.